Hey, welcome to the Extra Podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm joined around the table by Greg Harris and Jeff Bucknam. Greetings, gentlemen. Welcome back. Hi, Daniel. Good to, to see you today. Daniel Markin. We were just talking before the uh, episode here about radio voices, and that was mine. Yeah, in our pre-production meeting, we are talking about what would bring this podcast to the next level. And we thought mm-hmm. having a legit radio, radio host with a radio We We don't voice. have a legitimate radio personality. Where's Paul Siemens when you need him? Paul's got that radio voice, those sweet, soothing baritones. Yeah. Mm. The, the tan, tannins? No, that's a flavor thing. Know. What's the... Greg, your voice is not Greg, that give soothing. Us, yeah, if you had... Okay, give Come us, on. Give Come us on, a radio guys. voice, Greg. Give us a radio voice. Come on. What's wrong with my voice? What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't have a radio voice. No, you don't. Hello, podcast listeners. Wow, see, you could, you could put one together. This is the Extra Podcast. See, I would have to go more like hush, a late hush, night, kind of you know? like a late night for as you fall asleep. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Our first caller has a problem with insomnia. Hi, Jerry. <laughs> it's with insomnia. Yeah, I can't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I've been up all night. Uh, okay. Stuff. Well, that was fun. That was fun. Well, I mean, gentlemen. Next thing I want to talk about. I mean, the listeners want to know this too. It is, it is turning into that fall season already. And the summer's over, oh. yet Jeff still wears shorts. But it, as, the, as it gets colder, we want to be warmer and we stay inside and often indulge in comfort foods. And uh, the people want to know, what are your guys' go-to comfort foods in the winter? The I, winter comfort food. I like a, comfort food. I'm a big fan of the shepherd's pie. Ooh. Do you like it with peas or without the Is peas? Is that because you're a pastor, Greg? <laughs> no. I think that That's shepherd's funny. pie, the only way I can eat peas is probably in shepherd's yeah. pie. See, I don't care. You can almost throw any vegetable in there and I'll be fine. Really? Just because it's the, mushy? The amount of like mashed potatoes and like the meat. the meat, saucy meat kind of yep. thing going on is... Is that your favorite... It's, it is, it's in there. It's, it's one of your favorite foods in general, but certainly your favorite comfort food. Yeah, you can't eat shepherd's pie in summer because the oven's on. It's n- no good. But mm. that and... Uh, Chicken pot pie. Yeah, I can't do that. No? No. Well, you can't because you're No, you're, no, I don't like the innards. Free. The innards Every are all Every chicken weird. pot pie always tastes the same. Yeah, and they're not good. Really? You like mm. the chicken pot I pie. I do. Mm. My wife makes a mean chicken pot pie. Mm. I learned we learned how to cook it from some people from Kentucky when oh. I was living in uh, Dallas, and uh, so so they it's got that it's got that southern touch to mm. it. So I I do enjoy one of those hot sauce. It's seventy percent gravy. What, did you just say you hot put, sauce? Do you put hot sauce on the chicken Who pot would put pie? Ho- what? I, I that's what I was imagining is that you would put a little hot sauce. Do you put hot sauce on your shepherd's pie? I have. Why would you put hot sauce yeah. on 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 uh, chicken pot pie? I don't yeah, know. That's like putting ketchup on pancakes. <laughs> Kate, whoa! Do Sorry. People put chicken. Do people put ketchup on pancakes? My sister did once. She's oh. like, "Yeah, I'm gonna put ketchup on pancakes." Had on one pancake. Didn't eat any of the pancakes. No, no that's a dad rough. took us out for a nice little McDonald's breakfast. It was ruined. She didn't eat any of them. Mm. <laughs> Your dad's a class act. Yeah, it was dad's cooking breakfast. At McDonald's, the hot at, at the Walmart McDonald's, not even a real McDonald's. <laughs> it was the Walmart McDonald's. <laughs> it was McDonald's. Walmart McDonald's. Ah, oh, memories, eh? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Take me back to that Walmart McDonald's. The summers. S- they simpler, just, what, do Walmart McDonald's make breakfast? Yeah, hotcakes. No, they don't. Mm-hmm. 
Really? Hotcakes. Also, it bothers me that they're called hotcakes. Why would you be finding yourself inside of a Walmart that early on any given day that you would think, you know what? I haven't had breakfast. I'm over there to that McDonald's and I'm going to eat some of their uh, their breakfast. McDonald's breakfast is pretty great. Mm-hmm. I saw it. But I'm just a little surprised that they have it in the Walmart. I saw a video recently about a lady who at like 10 a.m. really wanted chicken nuggets from uh, McDonald's and they weren't selling them yet. And <laughs> she had a full-blown meltdown, punch in the window, threw really? something through the drive-through window to break it. She was really dedicated to these chicken nugs wow. at 10 a.m. in the morning. That's pretty ridiculous. She's like, "You have them. They're just, there. <laughs> just put them make in the fire." <laughs> Why won't you do this for me? Totally. Oh boy. <laughs> so we hope that this extra podcast is the chicken McNuggets for your soul. Oh. And maybe even the chicken pot pie for your soul. Yeah. Hey, Jeff, is that your comfort food? Um, may, uh, like a dessert? What is your deal? Nah, comfort food. Uh, I, I do I do enjoy, you know, quesadillas. Oh, mm. yeah. I like, I like, like, if I just, if my wife asked me today, what would you like to ha- eat for just in this special, I might actually choose pizza or quesadillas. Is that yeah. awful? No, no, it, Jeff. Uh, it's your birthday. What would you like me to cook for probably you? Probably pizza. Isn't that awful? I'd not oh, even. I mean, I'd say don't cook it. I you need to go and get it because <laughs> I. I just there pizza, is, is there's no better pro food in the world than pizza. Because no, here's the thing: homemade pizza is not the same. No, like when you buy the dough separately no, no. and you make it at home, it's not no, the same. It I don't right. know what it is. Okay, what about taking like delicio? Or you buy yeah, one. You're, get, okay. you're, you're getting are, closer. Those are pretty good. But, but you think it has to be, you go pick it up and it's steaming and they just... Yeah, yeah. I've had box. some meals before. I, I've been to some nice places before. I've been in New York at the Ruth's Chris Steakhouse in New York. And I remember sitting there eating the steak at the Ruth's Chris Steakhouse thinking to myself, this is really lovely. I wasn't paying for it. So it was really, really lovely. So mm-hmm. I was eating this steak <clears throat> and I thought to myself while I was eating the steak, here I am in the middle of New York and I think... If you would ask me ahead of time, would you rather go to the Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, eat this steak, or get one of those 99-cent slices of pizza? I probably would have chosen the pizza. You think so? so but I, was... I love the pizza. It's awful. Why can't pizza be better for you? What about hot Dude, dogs? I was kind of put off by the nah, not hot dogs. the New York pizza, like with the 99-cent piece, because no, they yeah. pull it off the... It was like a cold piece under yeah, their they lamp. Heat it up. No, but they, he put it in there for like 30 seconds. Yeah. I'm like, I thought this would be better. Yeah. It was kind of sad. No. All right, gentlemen. You haven't you. tried enough ninety-nine cent pizzas, pieces of pizza in New York. Then. What's There's your more. What's your comfort food, Daniel? My comfort food uh, that got me through my dark, dark days of college, those cold winters in Chicago. Mm. Top ramen. No, it was Nutella. What? And it would. What I would do is I'd buy a box of Ritz crackers, and I'd have a tub of peanut butter and a tub of Nutella, and I would like ration them out and put them on the like make little. Like little chocolate sandwiches. bars, little sandwiches, yeah, and put them in between. And then I had to kind of ration the crackers, so it, then it'd be one cracker. Then I'd run out of peanut butter, and so I'd just put Nutella on the one cracker. Then I ran out of crackers. And I remember I got it's lost. either an ultimate low or an ultimate so high. I, I got I lost just, into what you had left there. I'm, it just I'm Nutella. Gonna, I'm no, I, just, lie to you, I would just have the spoon of Nutella. And I got uh, two follow-up questions. First of all, why don't you call it Nutella like every normal person? Okay. Second question. What classifies a comfort food? I'm saying... I'm like, how does that fit? I know. That fits because I'm... I feel like it needs to be like a warm... It needs to be soup. It needs to be like a warmish... Had you put that in a soup, then you know, it would Greg, be fine. I, I, I specifically left this question vague to allow all views and all comfort foods to be added <laughs> to this. And uh, 
Now you know? this is in a safe space. Now I this is not a safe space. I just, and you rules. know what? Shepherd's pie isn't that good, Greg. Shit. I was Whoa. I was joking. So wow. Daniel, well, guys, there's a lot of there's a lot of tension. Daniel's triggered. There's a lot of tension in this room right now. <laughs> Jeff isn't even. He can't even look at us right now. No. And uh, anyways, we have some other things we want to talk about. That being that Jeff preached a sermon this week on Romans. Here we are. We're back. We're back in Romans. And Jeff, you did a sermon. What was it about? It was about Romans 5, uh, verses 12 to 19, so which is a passage that's historically been known mostly for the first of those verses, which has, is, is in many people's estimation the justification for the doctrine of original sin, mm-hmm. meaning that we are, born, <clears throat> we are born dead in our trespasses and uh, guilty in Adam, which means that Adam is our federal head. He, he is the representative of all of us. And so in the garden, when Adam sinned, his sin was passed on to all of his sin or the guilt of his sin and all the implications of it, the proclivity toward it, all that sort of stuff was passed on to all who are, who are born in the world. So this is, this has been a doctrine, by the way, even in the earliest days of the church, when it was being defended by Augustine, that it, it came under a lot of critique by a guy named Pelagius. And the church decided in the end that Pelagius, <clears throat> whose view was basically that we shouldn't, that, that people are, are born like um, neutral and they only are, um, uh, they, they are only nurtured into their evil. Um, that, his view was seen by the church as actually ultimately being heretical. And so the church sided with Augustine mm. on this one. So to believe that we are not <clears throat> born in sin. Now there's lots of different ways that people can understand that, but to believe that people are not born bent in on themselves at the very least or born guilty uh, is, is actually con- has been historically considered a heresy. And where was that decided? Was that at the <clears throat> council of Nicaea? No, I can't remember which council. Well, I know the Council of Orange was one that they that they determined that that was okay. I can't remember if that's exactly where they they discerned whether or not Pelagius was right or wrong. But that this, ultimately that was the that was the big the big issue. And the people today, it's funny because you say things out loud about original sin, especially in the day today, where you say it to you say it to people. People are born uh, sinners, and the reason that they sin is because they're sinners. Mm-hmm. They're not sinners because they sin, okay? So that that's the distinction. Mm. Pelagius was arguing, no, no, people are sinners because they sin. Mm. Sin is not a, 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 not a necessary thing for them to do. <clears throat> Augustine was arguing, no, people are sinners, uh, sin, people are sin because they're sinners, that they're born guilty and bent in on themselves, and that's why 100% of people sin. Is because it's 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 fundamental to how they're born in the world in Adam, mm. and so without the the grace of God acting on their behalf, there's no way they can get out out from this. Of course, the the problem in the 21st century, especially now, is is that we're such individualists. We just recoil at the idea of somebody of being held accountable for the act that someone else does, even if he is our federal head, as the, the theological language goes, even our representative. Mm. Um, so I have a, I have a question about this text, one that I've received, and I don't know if I've always answered it very well. Do you mind if I ask you one? 
You can ask me any of the questions. <clears throat> hey, Greg, why don't you ask Jeff Doesn't mean that I can have the right answer. Guys, permission to ask the question? Permission granted. Thank you, Greg. Uh, Thank you. Verse 19. Mm. Uh, yes, I think it's verse 19. Nope, I'm wrong. Verse 18. Permission Guys. revoked. Permission revoked. Yeah, 18. Consequently, just as one trespass mm-hmm. resulted in condemnation for all people, yeah. so also one righteous act, act resulted in justification in life for all people. Yeah, it sounds like universalism, doesn't it? So that the, the critique that I've heard at times wasn't even necessarily against original sin. They said, okay, I'll grant you original sin, but then you have to grant me universalism. universalism. Yeah, I think that um, unfortunately... This is a this is one of those situations. This verse <clears throat> needs to be understood in the wider framework of the entire book of Romans. So the idea, so the argument here would be in favor of universalism that <clears throat> everybody's born in sin, right? Born without in, born without in exception, without right. distinction, every single person. Every person is born in Adam, which is the argument of this passage. Then <clears throat> all are made righteous is the language of the passage. Yep. In Christ. And the same word all appears in both cases, and so it would be unnatural for you to interpret it as all in the first phrase, that all are born in sin and in Adam, and not interpret it in this, with the same sense in the second phrase. Hmm. I, I would agree that that, on the face of it, is, is the way we normally understand phrases, unless, of course, there's something in the context, either near or far, and by far I mean in the wider framework of the book, that would would argue against that understanding. And up to this point, it certainly seems that um, faith is necessary in order for one to be in Adam. Even in this passage, it talks about those who receive Mm. the gift. Romans chapter 4 is about the faith of Abraham, right? And, And how that is the way that one enters the covenant blessings as opposed to birthright, okay? So... If faith is necessary for this to take place, then the opposite is also true, that those who don't have faith are not inheritors of the blessing. And the further on you go in Romans, you find that, in fact, there are lots of people who don't have faith who are actually condemned. So, again, the wider context shows that, uh, you know, an isolated understanding of this verse, severed from its context in those ways, is really a bad way of reading it. It is probably more likely that Paul, this is a rhetorical flourish on Paul's part, my flourish by that. I mean that he's using the word all uh, parallel so that he can show, he can show that the same federal headship that took place in Adam is the same federal headship that takes place in Christ. Okay, so he wants to equate mm. these things. And so um, he, does he mean that <clears throat> everybody apart from faith is saved? No, he means all who have faith or who have received. And that's why he makes that statement. I think actually it's in verse 17 that he makes that state. So immediately preceding that verse, he talks about receiving gift the gift of righteousness. So again, it's, it's, it is probably, if you're going to be a universalist, this is the best biblical argument, I think, that you, that you could have. The problem, mm-hmm. of course, is that the, the argument falls down the moment you start connecting this verse to the verse immediately preceding it and then to the wider framework of Romans. Hmm. You should also know that Paul likes to use the word all in Romans, especially to talk about all kinds in, in Jew and Gentile. I don't think that that's necessarily the case here, but I do know that all his goal, his goal in this book is to show that the that, that Jewish people, by their birthright, don't have some 
special pathway to God that Gentiles don't have, that actually it's by faith now that one is made righteous before God, and that that applies to Jew and Gentiles alike. So then, Jeff, if I hear this, when you hear what you're saying about the, it's by faith that we are saved, what about those, and this is the question that gets brought up a lot in, in this, is what about those who don't yet have the ability to come to faith, a.k.a. Yeah, children? <clears throat> yeah, so that's the biggest pushing, the big pushback regarding the doctrine of, if we really kind of cleared the decks, mm-hmm. that's actually, I think, the most pressing reason why people reject the doctrine of original sin. Uh, it's because if that's the case, that people are born guilty before God because of what Adam did, so they're born in sin, born guilty in Adam, that means that you know a, a child who dies five days into their life or two years into their life, I wouldn't even pick whatever, that that child is actually a guilty sinner before God, even though they themselves haven't maybe actualized sin to a particular level in their life yet because they haven't had the experience, they are guilty of the sin of Adam, which they were born in because he was their representation. So this has been, so, so people like, obviously you have children, you just, you, we recoil at that idea. My goodness, are you kidding? There's no way that that could be the case. And so the church has answered this question several different ways, okay? Um, my overall throw, I'll give you some of the answers that the church has given, and you can determine which ones you think you like. <laughs> but, or you, when I say you like, the ones that you think that are, that are more most biblically, you know, defensible or instructive. <clears throat> my big goal, though, is for you to realize that just because there is a challenge here does not in terms of its application, and what does this mean? So you're dealing with an implication of this doctrine. Just because there's a challenge with the implication of the doctrine does not make the doctrine untrue. That actually, that's a really bad way of doing theology. I don't like what this doctrine's going to mean, uh, you know, just in my spirit. So because it doesn't meet well with my spirit, I'm going to reject it. Well, no, <clears throat> that's fine. But the the best reading of Romans 5.12 that I can make sense of it, it is that when it says that all sinned in Adam, so the death came into the world through Adam's sin. And because of that, all, because of Adam, all sinned. The best way to understand that is, is actually to understand this idea of federal headship and how his sin is passed on to us. And I tried to explain a lot of that this weekend. So I'm just saying that that doctrine, I think holds water reg- regardless of the implications of it. But there are these implications. So here's some options. Um, you can, you can argue that, uh, you can argue that all children who are born, uh, are elect in Christ. Okay. And that, that there's a special measure of grace because they don't have ability to respond. Okay. And that most of the passages in the scriptures that talk about people, um, uh, about people being held to account. So I'm thinking Romans one here actually talk about people who've had opportunity. Do you follow? Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm looking mm-hmm. at you, Greg. Mm-hmm. So, so you have the opportunity to respond because you've seen the creation design around you. Well, these little kids don't have that opportunity because they, or sorry, their problem is they don't have ability. And this is the same argument that people make with a special needs person mm-hmm. is that <clears throat> the problem is they're, they don't have any ability. So even if you gave them opportunity and they might have opportunity, the ability to do it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. So they make a distinction between ability and opportunity and because they don't have the ability, a lot of the passages of Scripture don't really 
refer to, refer to them. So those verses about condemnation don't really refer to them. And so as a result, people will argue, no, all babies are elect. This is the most common evangelical view, right? And people will bring up this, you know, David, and you guys will probably bring some of that up in a minute. Mm -hmm. The historical, um, the, the, the Pelagian view is it doesn't matter because everybody's saved anyway. Or I mean, like it, or, or because they aren't born, the Pelagian view, because yeah. they aren't born affected by yeah. sin, then they would, they would be before God in good standing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the two other views here are, okay, some of these kids are saved and some are not based upon uh, God's election of them. Uh, that election, though, goes is split into two, your two camps here. Uh, either... Either God foresees whether or not they would have believed had they had opportunity, mm-hmm. right? And he elects based upon that. That's the Arminian view here. Or God sees, doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't matter what God sees. He elects some and he leaves others, and that's the way it works. So that's the more Calvinist view here, the traditionally Reformed view. My, my answer is I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't think the Bible speaks exp- expressly to this. We're dealing with an implication Mm-hmm. Is it possible that God has a special grace on these? Yeah, yes. But in order for him to save them, though, he has to have a special grace on them because they're guilty. That we know we know that they're guilty. He has to have a special has has a special grace there. I actually think that there are passages of scripture that lean that direction. Um toward a special grace for those who don't have ability. Uh, but I'm like I'm not gonna teach that as a fundamental doctrine of the church. If I'm gonna do a a funeral for a, a little one who's died, I'm going to say, won't the judge of all the world do what is right? Mm -hmm. And he will. Mm -hmm. And his judgments uh, will make sense to us in eternity. But as far as I'm concerned, I I am persuaded to at least some degree, and it's hard for me to say more privately, that I think that, I think that I believe that all of the, all of these children are elect. Mm. Anyway, that's my thing. You guys should interact and attack it all now. Yeah, I think one of the, so last fall, I think, uh, when we were working our way through Romans 1, and in particular talking about how God's made known his His power and his, his characteristics and his nature through creation, and how no one stands um, before God, uh, everyone stands before God with fault because of their rejection of this God. So a, a sermon kind of similar and it's thrust in some ways to what you were talking about this past weekend. And and I I made a similar move, um, and I brought up the example like you referred to of David mm-hmm. and the death of his son. And the... Um, David's da- words there... Are- da- David, who is self-reflective and self-aware of his own sinfulness from birth, Psalm 51, also in some way has a, has a hopeful leaning in his words about the eternal state of his son who who uh, died Um, he says i will he will not come back to me but i will go to him right which might mean just on the face of it i'm going to die too but there seems to be a little bit more there the 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 reason why i think people find that a a piece of compelling evidence towards the idea of the salvation of of infants who die um is that that idea wasn't a solemn truth for him. It was a hopeful truth for him. Mm. And so the, the tone of his words about him joining his departed son is what 
cause many, so this was, myself included, to say, uh, it seems more hopeful than yeah, just a matter thera- of fact. It, he's saying it in a therapeutic sense. Yeah, exactly. And so he's, he's not resigning himself to his fate there. He, right. he, it's being contrasted to his fate, he's saying, but there, there it remains a, I'm very sad, but there remains this hope. Yeah. Right. And so I, I think, though, like, like you said, and I think, hopefully, like I said in my sermon last year, I, I do think the final answer to the question is that God is a just judge who's going to do what's right. And that doesn't, might not sound compelling to some, but it, it ultimately should be, I think, the most compelling reason for us to uh, allow God to do what is best because he's the one who can do what's best. Well, it's a place that puts it, we, we end up saying we trust God and his wisdom over and above ours, which is, honestly, is, is the place of Christians. Hmm. We, all Christians should say that to God. Your wisdom is greater than mine. You're be- you, you reason better than I do. You, you're more just than I am, therefore. And more merciful. More merciful than I am, more compassionate than I am. Yep. So I, I'm going to leave this to you. I, the, reason I, I, the reason I kind of argue at ignorance or at agnosticism on this point mm-hmm. is that I just don't think that there's any express, expressly stated passages that speak this way. We're in yep. the realm in some ways of conjecture and implications of passages. So to, to develop and build a theology based on implication mm-hmm. to me is not the greatest thing to do, mm-hmm. right? So I, I hold those implications a little more loosely. So I, I you know... If you if you are if you have a, a viewpoint that uh, I I don't think that the universalism is right I don't think Pelagius was right so I, I I eliminate his viewpoint I'm I'm not an Arminian so I, I eliminate that and and some some of the ways that Calvinism talks about this I don't love either so yeah I'm not alone which makes me happy but maybe that's you know in my viewpoint maybe that's though because you know in my spirit. I can't handle the idea of a, an infant, you know, dying and, and not being received into mm. eternity with mm. Christ. Mm. Um, so I'm willing to acknowledge that, that may, maybe there's a certain level of, I don't know. Yeah. I think when I think about this question, like I don't have, I don't have nearly the expertise in studying this kind of stuff as you guys would. But again and again, when I think about this, I, again, I come back to the, won't the judge do what is right? Yeah. And I just find with so many other things too in the Bible, when there's like issues where you just, you could go either way and you're just not mm. sure. There's such a comfort in being able to say those words and saying, well, won't the Lord know and do mm. what is right in the end? Yeah. And being able to sit there and, and just have peace about that. I think that is a... I think that that truth that God will do what is right is a necessary foundation for anyone who wants to think about theology. That no matter where you go down your study and your interest and the things that, that, um, you know, poke you and prod you and make you want to study further, having that as, as a, as a foundation, as a starting point is really helpful because there's going to be other theological issues that come up in different passages that we're going to read and in other books of the Bible. And if we don't have something as foundational as God is good and is going to do good things because he's good and he's going to do what's right because he's just, then you can get into all kinds of different weird, bad ways of thinking through issues mm-hmm. where we're trying to solve solution. We're trying to solve problems with solutions that we think is best yeah. and not allowing our own agnosticism, like you said, to just remain. 
and say, you know what, it's okay for me to not be certain yeah, on, on this issue because I think God's going to do what's right. All I'm arguing here is that the the goal uh, of good uh, faithful believers is actually to go as far as the scriptures teach mm. and and be careful going a whole lot further and and then establishing your doctrine based upon things that the Bible does not clearly speak to. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, unfortunately, the church is rife with people who are making connections or implications of the Bible that the Bible itself doesn't doesn't make those connections. And I think we, we can talk about those in the realm of philosophy and these sorts of things, and those are all—it's fun, it's helpful. I think there's probably some level of truth in the, th- the conclusions we're going to come to, but I think we have to hold those kind of loosely. What I don't think we have to hold loosely is what the Bible teaches explicitly. So mm-hmm. in this case, I actually think that what we don't hold loosely is that people are born in Adam. Mm-hmm. That's what the Bible teaches. They're born in Adam, guilty. Mm-hmm. So if you read anywhere in the New Testament— the descriptions of people who are apart from Christ, the, the, the condition of them from birth is really not good. I mean, and by not good, that's the most positive way I could say it, right? The, the, the dead in your transgressions and sins, right? Blind, blinded by the God of this age, like just not good. Mm. And, and, and our, our experience backs us up. A hundred percent of the people who are born in this world sin. Mm-hmm. You have to come up with, and if you if you don't like what the Bible says, the Bible's answer to why that happens because they're born in Adam, they're born sinners. Mm-hmm. If you don't want, like, if you want to come up with another dot, you got to ignore all of our experience, and you have to try to come up with some other way of reading this these passages that are relatively straightforward. Mm-hmm. So I want to go as far as the scriptures go, but when it comes to like, okay, now there's some there's there some implications that are going to cause us some difficulty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, wouldn't people also say that there'd be well. Children, if like if children don't sin, right, uh, then how can they be sinners at this young age? But then what Augustine would say was, you know, he would throw tantrums as a little kid. And you can see kids throw tantrums when they don't get their way. Hmm. But people will say, well, that's not sin. That's just that's survival, just child- childishness, childishness or, or like survival. I, I, or- yeah, yeah, I don't know. As a, I mean, every child is born with clenched fists, right? <laughs> and, yeah, we're born rebels. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bible is pretty pretty clear on, on that. I mean, I was conceived in iniquity. Isn't that what David says in Psalm? Mm-hmm. Is it Psalm eight? Psalm fifty one. Fifty one. Anyway, just so I, I'm. It's difficult to get around what the Bible has to teach yeah. on original sin, and it, I think the right thing to do is to say, no, it's this is true. I, you yeah. know, this has huge implications, though, in terms of the way that we some issues that we are currently facing in our society, right? Because what's going on in our society is so Disney. Uh, the way you are when you're born is ideal and perfect. You need to embrace that way, period. Just be be who you are, own own what you're like, right? Don't let ever, anyone else tell you differently. You need to be true to you. And there's like a half-truth in there that, yeah, obviously made in the image of God, and God doesn't make mistakes in regards to the kind of gifts and abilities he gives certain people, right? Your DNA itself is not is not fundamentally flawed in terms of how big your feet are, or in Greg's mm. case, how big his calves are, or what, like whatever. That, so that's the truth. That's a half-truth in it that should be embraced and affirmed. The side of it that's not, a ha- that's not true, though, is actually Adam and Eve were, were conceived or were, were, were brought forth not in iniquity, mm. and the rest of us are, <laughs> right? So we are born bent in on ourselves, and that colors, you know, mm. It should color the way we understand who, who we are as well, 
right? And and what we should be doing. So just because you feel a particular way about a particular thing doesn't mean that that feeling is not tainted by sin. In fact, it probably means it is. Mm-hmm. Just because you find it easy and natural to act in ungodly ways doesn't mean you ought to act in those ungodly ways, right? Yeah. So, and that has to do with your sexual sexuality. Uh, and I don't, I'm not just saying that in terms of like hetero and homosexual distinctions, even though that's the case too. But like, just because you feel like you want to have sex with somebody who's not your spouse doesn't mean that the, ne- well, that's just how I feel and that's just who I am. So I should embrace that and be happy. Or no, you, or you, you should be not. violent with someone. Right. I, I want to punch you in the face. Right. Or lie, or lie a lot or, yeah. or promote my own name through devious means. These are all things that come very naturally to us. Mm. And it's not just because our mommies and daddies were that way too. We were all, we're all that way. So we got to fight, and that's what the. I mean, you're not. If you don't embrace this idea, then you will not make any sense of the the Bible's doctrines of sanctification about you know putting off the old self and putting on the new, and mm. all of that stuff will make no sense to you because you'd be like, why would I be putting off my old self if I was just awesome to begin with? Hmm. So can we say then that Disney preaches pride, in the sense that like do everything that you do because you're the best. And you you deserve it the most, and you're the greatest. I think that I think the doctrine of original sin is like the most repugnant doctrine to mm. the Western world. The idea that you are not perfect and awesome the way you're born, that actually there's something fundamentally flawed about you. But it's right. the only, honestly, so that's my argument this weekend. It's the only thing that actually explains the condition of our world. Right. Mm. Yeah. The Disney narrative is that the or the air quotes Disney narrative fill in the blank of just stories in general in our culture is that the problems of our world and of my life are always with the other. Mm. Like it, the it, system, it, it's the system, the patriarchy, it's, it's you it's fill in the blank. Yeah. Whereas, so when we look at our world and we're raised in a Disney culture and we're trained that the problem is always outside of me, it's always the other define what you want as the other. Then we're always surprised when, when things go wrong in, in the world, whereas if we had a viewpoint that would say, actually, you know what, the, the problem's me. And the problem is there's a lot of people like me out there. Yep. And they all, maybe they don't all want to do the exact same wicked things I want to do, but they all want to do wicked things. And sometimes, oftentimes, they do them. And so that's why we have the world that we have. is isn't because the problem is always some other person. It's because the, the problem's me. So we're gonna, what's going to happen in Romans, which, is, which will be fun, and I'll give away a very controversial thing that I will end up teaching. So it's not actually controversial. <gasps> Hot you, take. you hear here first no, it on is. radio we're gonna get, live. Romans 6 is phenomenal. It's a great passage, text of scripture, right? It's good. Romans 6, we're going to do it in two stages. And then in Romans 7, we're doing it in three sermons. The last of those three sermons is on Romans 7, 13 to 25. I'll give the heads up now. I, I'm going to argue, uh, I wrote my master's thesis on this subject, uh, and I'm going to argue that the description of that Paul gives of the person, the I in Romans seven thirteen to twenty five, is actually a description of a Jew who is not a Christian. This is the passage where someone, the author says, "I, I want to do these things, but I don't do them. And the things I don't want to do, I end up doing." Right. So I, I'm going to argue that this is the state of unregenerate man. This is the way it is for for people who are apart from Christ, who want to keep, in his case, a Jew want to keep God's law, but what he constantly finds is that there's sin and sin in his members. There's sin stopping him, keeping him away from obeying the law. So the law is a good thing, 
right? It's not the law's fault that you can't keep it. It's your fault that you can't keep it. And this this has huge implications, again, huge implications on the way you understand yourself. That the problem, the problem with you, apart from Christ, is not that you don't necessarily want to do good things. There's a lot of people who want to do good things, right? They want to keep... Uh, and I'm saying here, the people who are not Christians, they want to do all sorts of good stuff in the world. I mean, they want to be moral in many cases. They have certain morality as part mm. of being made in the image of God, that they have these sort of moral frameworks and a conscience that's working in. The problem with them is they can't keep their conscience, and they don't keep their conscience. And that passage is a description of what actually goes on. You know, it works from the mind and then it gets, he works, he plays it out. Like this is, it's in my mind and then it works itself out and it gets into my members, but my members are under the reign of sin and death and therefore my members being my body parts, right? Mm. So I I have this will, this desire to do the things, but then it sort of gets out into my hands and arms and it gets ruined because it's got to go out. It's like, I've got, I want to say the right things, but in order to say them, they got to go through my mouth and use my tongue and those members mess it up because so I'm, I'm this tortured person who wants to do good, but I, I, I can't ultimately do good. And oh, who will deliver me from the body of this death? And the answer is Sunday school, hmm. right? Jesus. Je- Jesus will deliver yeah. me and did deliver me. And that's why you have in Romans 8 the promises that you have. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, yeah. And so, Greg, I mean, that exactly like. That's that answers what you were saying about how do you understand the world like as a Christian that the idea that Jesus still redeems that helps me understand the world and, and have mm-hmm. a solution to it all mm-hmm. to all the the messed up things we see right right and then the good news is he'll come again and he'll judge and do what is right that mm. that worldview uh, is is the fundamental difference though between Christianity is I, I actually think it's the it's the explanatory power of Christianity for our, our world today and mm-hmm. and it, which is being rejected at every turn but I it's so powerful in its explanation for what's going on yeah that's why I want people to to you know people say oh there's no proof for Christianity well actually the doctrines of Christianity are demonstrated quite easily doctrine of original sin is not even hard to show <laughs> in the life in the life of people and all of the other things that people make up i mean on, honestly uh you know evolutionary biology and stuff which would argue of course that death is a good thing it's actually the thing that drives the human race forward just don't make any sense compared to what what the bible does in helping us understand our world good fun good fun this is good radio (laughs) you say that every time so maybe every time it's good radio except uh except or, or are you just saying it Hey, you know, you, you know who normally joins us on this uh, show, Andy? He's Steiger, here a yeah. lot. He uh, he got to meet the pastor, Pastor Lee, from that movie. Uh, I think you can still watch on Netflix, The Dropbox, of this oh, guy yeah. uh, who takes in all these kids with uh, significant issues that are dropped off by their parents, yeah. and then he raised I don't know dozens of kids in this small little house. I think Andy he posted a photo about was it today, interviewing that man. Today, yeah, well, in South, in Korea. South Korea, yeah, he's filming. And you guys, if you're on Facebook, go to the Facebook and follow the Human Project. That's Andy's thing he's working on now. And right now he's in Korea, and he posted filming photos. on location. I think, isn't he? Yep. He is yep. on location yep. in a in a world. He's got Steve Kim with him, so he's not. Uh, who's Korean? Who's Korean? So that's helpful. So that's translator, yeah. which is good. Um, otherwise, I don't know how much filming they get done. A bald, bald, very white man in. Uh, Korea. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but he they, he posted a photo today. You can see it. There's like a little box. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like an oven. Uh, mm-hmm. Like it's that's like almost like a microwave. Yep. It's that size, and that's yep. where people drop off their babies. Yep. Wow. And there's a common thing. They said there's something like twenty. Was it twenty or forty babies a month that are dropped here? Uh, this orphanage that's takes in. Amazing. Like it's it's remarkable. It's crazy. Yeah. And so, anyways, he posted a photo and he was talking with the the guy today. So uh, it's a good work that this pastor's doing. And but it's gonna be interesting to see this film that Andy's making and. You can follow the production and the, I guess the, the be a weird time of the, it'd be a weird time to be in Korea right mm-hmm. now, wouldn't it? Oh, I mean, yeah. of all the places in the world uh, to be, that's like the, I would think the geopolitical hops, hot spot of the day. Is it not? Yeah. Maybe there and, and certain, you know, uh, certain nation states in the Middle East might be the other ones that are kind of, I don't know if it, you, Yeah. I know that people in Japan, I've repeatedly keep talking or they, I keep hearing mm. about uh, alarms that have gone off because North Korean missiles are flying over yep. yeah. Japan. And I know South Korea is on a bit of alert because of the fear that uh, yeah, they might might be an aggressor. Yeah. Uh, crazy, crazy days. Yeah. I wonder why the world is this way, though. Hmm. <laughs> Sounds like a... Uh, we need more education. Yeah. It's probably true, right? How would you? Yeah. Guys, hey, I want to point out something. We made it through an entire podcast without mentioning or talking. No, we did mention false teachers. Pelagius. Uh, Darn it. Uh, we tried. Yeah, we can always have our own podcast called False Teachers where we... Steve Weins came up to me last week on, I think on Wednesday or something, and he was like, hey. Our executive uh, pastor. Uh, good podcast. Uh, Stop talking about no false No more false teachers. teachers. Yeah. We're done. We're done. Okay. See you, Steve. Okay. See you, Steve. Thank you. Goodbye. Which was a point he didn't probably need to make because we felt the same way. And not that we didn't appreciate the questions, and they were good questions, and I just, I guess our conversations just kept taking us that way. It eventually you, gets to a dead end. You though. are the voice of the people. Look at you defending the people. You know, I'm just, Greg, I'm just trying to give the people what they want. Daniel, you're every man. Jeff, you know, to and some extent, the, I am every And with the length of that hair. I have enough hair for every man. close too. to representing every woman, too. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just I'm the people's person, Greg. Was that I'm trying. Was that over the line, Jeff? Is that a little over the line? Look, Greg. I, I listen. I'm okay with men having long hair or short hair. Yeah, Greg. <laughs> it's not a problem for me. Wow, Thanks, you guys are wow. All right. Too bad Andy's not here. Andy would be on my side on this. I don't know, man. By default, he's got hair envy. He always talks about it. That's true. I'll be sitting doing my work, mind my own business, and Andy's stroking my hair. <laughs> I'm kidding, he doesn't do that. Or maybe he does. I don't know. You'll have to tune in next week to the extra podcast. Is this, uh, a, is this a tease? Is this going to be your tease? I have no idea. It's a, that's this a, is our, yeah, the sign-off tease. Okay. We still don't have a sign-off, gentlemen, and I don't, uh, it makes me angry. That We just kind of end it like a wheels fall off the bus. So if you think you have a good sign-off for us, would you please contact us? Email us at extraatnorphy.org with your sign-off suggestions or contact us on Facebook. Maybe something that is a little bit better than have a great day or listen to us next time. Something for the people, but give the people what they want. Right, Jeff? Yep. Have a great day. Okay. We'll see you next week.